time now for Soccer City. Six players in the wall for L.A. It's Niall McCabe. He goes for a goal and he scores. Niall McCabe around the wall. Powered by your Kentuckiana Toyota dealers. Right here on ESPN Louisville. Eckage will strike and scores! An absolute top-bitch rocket for Amina Eckage! Now, here are your hosts... Benton Newman, Zach Allen Kelly, and Jason Entz. Welcome to Soccer City Radio. My name's Benton. I'm Zach. We got a full show today, Zach. I'm lot, back. Yeah, a lot to go, back, go over. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It feels like that was weeks ago already. <laughs> it's all the pain. It's been a long stretch. All the pain st- makes it feel like it was so long ago. Been a long stretch, yes. Yeah. So we got a lot to go over tonight. We'll talk about two Louisville City matches. And we have Savannah DeMello joining us at about 620. Talk about her time with the uh, national team. That's pretty exciting. It's going to be a fun interview. That will be fun. But first, Potential rookie of the year, Savannah DeMello. Oh, knock on wood. She's putting up, she's putting up a... A, a strong case for it. Oh, absolutely. Has to definitely be in the conversation, even with our biased perspective. Yeah, with us, of course. Yeah. Um, we got some racing news, though. Mixed bag to I, talk about. Some news I was initially pretty, pretty sad about, and then when more news about it came out, yeah, I think it cheered me up a little bit. Yeah, made it made it a little bit more palatable. So Freya Olofsson departs for Real Madrid, reportedly somewhere in the ballpark of two hundred thousand dollars ish. We Which, don't know. We don't yeah. know for certain, but so Freya Lee money was involved. Not not super happy about. Like I think that's a, some important midfield depth for next season. But also with that amount of money, you can get some more midfield depth so i do feel like overall is a good deal for the team you're wiping away your tears with the wads of cash yeah yeah reports from spain were two hundred and twenty-five thousand, and that makes it feel a little bit less yeah that'll, that'll take a little sting away yeah they're yeah. gonna pay us that much for a player that we didn't pay anything for and had for two years and was third best in the pecking order i mean Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it. she she wasn't our as much as I love her. A big big Freya fan. She she wasn't our starter. We got we we have our our core there going forward. But yeah, to, to get some but some transfer money important. off that. It's like I agree. I don't think I don't think we should go away. Like ah, we're fine. We don't need another midfielder. It's like oh we no, need, no 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 yeah. no. I, you need I, more than three midfielders on your team. We absolutely need more <laughs> midfielders. In fact, if 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 we're getting a backfill for Freya in the um in the off season, presumably, I would hope it is. Somebody with a more veteran presence, particularly in the NW. So that's what I would really like. Somebody that can be that, uh, be that that helping hand in the growth of uh, of Jalen Howell. I think we need. I think we need more like league strong role players. Like not necessarily end of their career superstar veteran. Yes, but like like late twenties has consistently been a starter in the league, not necessarily like a huge name. That's like, those are the players that are most missing on the roster right exactly, now. Yes. We have almost none of, no one who fits that bill. Yep. No, it's I, like a 28 or 29 year old who's not a superstar, but has been starting consistently in the league for, for several years. You're, you're speaking my language. I would absolutely love that. And again, like with a lot of these young players, particularly like in the midfield, it could really help with their with their growth. It's, you know, it's the little things that make a difference. And that's the kind of little thing I think that could help a lot. You know, not only in the midfield, we could probably use that elsewhere. But I can use that just about everywhere. Yeah, but but in the context of what we're talking about, midfield, that's what that's what I would want. That's that's my wish list item for a backfield there. Anywho we wish Freya nothing but the best. She left on on good terms. Uh, yeah, put out, you know, fan favorite. I mean, for sure. 
put out a video thanking the city that was seemed pretty heartfelt. Yeah. Um, I think everyone liked her while she was here. So, so yeah. yeah, I am, you know, on, on that personal front, I am disappointed. So I get those people that might be frustrated about that. But again, like it's, it's hard to turn down that, that, that money for a non-starter like that. That deal makes sense. I know a lot of the other ones, especially like, someone you picked up on a free transfer. Exactly. So, yeah. I know some of the other departures haven't always made the most sense for, you know, from the outside, like looking in, but this yeah. one does. And it's more money than the team. I mean, if that number reported as Spain is correct. I mean, that's more money than they've gotten from for anyone else that's left, I'm pretty sure. Yep, yep. So, be good for her. Hopefully, that helps her also with her uh, any ambitions she might have to make it to her national team. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't complain about playing for Real Madrid. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> now, on the more positive side of the news, Lauren Millet got locked up for 2025. I mean, yes. It's not like she got arrested. She signed an extension <laughs> until 2025. <laughs> she is not out on bail. <laughs> <laughs> she's a free woman <laughs> it's always the ones you expect the least <laughs> the video that they put out for that was pretty funny showed her doing doing everything around the around the club because i mean she is really doing all you can she's their utility player yeah you can I, really i am kind of amazed she hasn't had to fill in at goalkeeper yet that's just about the last spot careful what you say there's still season left <laughs> could happen but no i'm um, very happy to see her stay here uh you know another day one player she's been She's been so indispensable for this team wherever I, she's been I playing. have never heard anything negative about her either on or off the field. And like everyone loves Laura Millet. And so that's the that's the exact kind of player you want locked up long term on the team. Mm-hmm. Yep, I mean she she kind of checks a lot of a lot of boxes for the team, and I know that uh, that Kim has been fond of her since pretty pretty early on in his tenure. So glad to see that they got that situation resolved, and we don't have any concerns about her uh, her leaving due to a contract at least. So, yeah. but I you know I don't think they're going to trade her or or anything like that anyway. No, I think I know that's a lot of not negative people. It's like, well, we've we've signed other players who've, who've resigned. Well, it happened once, and <laughs> yeah. and I mean things change. I you, mean, know, you never know. But it I, happened once. It was yesterday. So <laughs> <laughs> the point being, I don't, I do not think that's happening with Lauren Malay. Her, her spot is pretty, uh, pretty safe and largely again, due to that flexibility. Yeah. So, uh, that's all the racing news that we have. We'll talk about Savannah Demel in a little bit. So now let's p- pivot over. We'll talk about a little bit of Louisville city, the good Louisville city game, the good Louisville city game. Yes. The one that we want to talk about Louisville city versus Sacramento Republic. First time we've played them. I love, I, I've said it before, I love these cross-conference uh, matchups. It's a lot of fun, very different. U.S. Open Cup finalists, Sacramento Republican. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was, I was cheering them on for that. You know, for yesterday's matchup, I was all for Sacramento, but on Saturday, didn't want to give them any mercy. I think they did play with us with a little bit of a uh, rotated roster. They, which were, they, were, look, they had an eye out for Wednesday, I think. I don't blame them. They yeah, should. That's what I would have done in that situation. They should, yeah. and I mean, if, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not mad that they played a rotated roster against us. And Louisville City capitalized on that, took care, took care of business. Yeah, they did. Um, it's also, uh, well, we got a, we got an early lead in that one, which, which was nice coming off of a loss, gives you a little bit of, um, a little bit of confidence. They scored, but then we eventually kind of prevailed, and, and the stats kind of show that we pretty much dominate the performance. You know, fifty five percent possession. We had six on target shots to their uno. That is one, one. Kept them uh, pretty locked down. Um, there was a lengthy... If you score three goals and only give up one shot on target, you're going to win most of the time. Yep. Yep. Can't be too mad about that. And if you were in a tendency, you experienced a lengthy rain delay, which was not a lot of fun. I had ice cream sandwich to pass the time. <laughs> made the most of it. The weather made Jason's life worse, I hear. 
having to wait around for this to end so he could talk about the UK football game. <laughs> but for those that stayed, they were rewarded with something which was honestly probably my favorite part of, of the match and, and probably one, one of the more notable things, to me at least, this season was Elijah Widener's first goal. Louisville City's first academy sign and getting his first goal for Louisville City. I think that and was a really special Long moment. overdue. I mean, like, mm-hmm. especially after everything he's gone through to recover from that leg injury, I feel like this goal should have been earlier if not for for all of those extenuating circumstances it was really great to see him finally open up the score sheet yeah i mean it was a long recovery road for him he he went out alone and honestly he's broken back into this squad you know quicker than i would have thought i think they i think this um looked really good in that substitute appearance I, i mean honestly got was very close to scoring before the one he actually hit he had just a few minutes prior he had a he had a probably even a better look and it's one of those it was almost it was too good of a look is like you're wide open in the box and the ball comes to you and it's like you're just too open and all you can do it like it's hit it right at the keeper yeah like you, you almost want a little more pressure on you <laughs> yeah no I, yeah i agree that, that he had a, he had a really good chance there but i'm glad yeah. he got yet another one too so it's he hard not to score. overthink it when you when you've got time yeah. and space like that but like i just that accomplishment for him that's just that was just a I think that was a big win for the club. A big, like one of those moments you go back to think of. Like I'm, I'm a big proponent of the academy, and a lot of his first are going to be really memorable for the club. So I'm really happy that that he got his goal and again broken to the team. I think that I mean, part of that's probably due to the uh, the uh, fixture congestion. But uh, you know, Coach Cruz trusts him enough to to utilize him. Yep. So I'm and happy. About like that. I said, he fit. He, he came in, had a good substitute appearance. I think I had I had no problems with his play. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and with that win, and I think results elsewhere also helped contribute to this, Louisville City officially clinched their playoff spots. Yep. I mean, we knew it was coming, but now it's just official. Officially clinched, still in first place in the East currently. So, Current. I mean, sitting good for the playoffs. Yep. We'll get into that later after we talk about that next match. But um, you know, it's interesting after after the match. You know, both Coach Cruz and uh, Sean Tosh when when asked about, they were dismissive isn't the right word, but they made it clear that making the playoff is an expectation around here, which I think pretty much all the fans are are going to agree with. They're yeah. like glad that's happened. You know, it was a first for some of the guys in the locker room, but it, it wasn't a reason that you know pop champagne great. bottle. It's great to clinch this early. Yeah, but like. Yeah, there's. <laughs> it is unacceptable if they don't I, make the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, I don't think the I don't think the pressure's reduced at all because like like we're going to talk about more. Like we're we're still fighting for. Hey, we're gunning first for first place. East. Like we need that first round bye. That's going to be huge. I I mean, I we want first overall. Oh yeah, not yeah. just East. Yeah, no, I agree. But, but I think first in the East is the is the primary objective. If you can only have one, or, well, I guess. If you want, if you win it overall, I mean, then you win it. You got to be first in the East if you're first overall, but right. But I think that's the more important thing is getting that first round. Pie. It's the one notch in the belt they have not ticked off as a team. I is would, that is that overall first I, place? I would really, yeah, I would really love to see that. So I hope that comes to fruition. Um, it'll be a tight one, though. Well, that that and the Open Cup win, which they still have a chance to be the <laughs> the first of the modern USL championship. The last do. one was 1999. So not a not an easy one. Richmond to, to Kickers, break right? I think you're correct. Yeah, yeah. and um, I mean, even ba- the MLS of back then was a very different beast. I think that challenge has probably only gotten harder. Yeah, since then. 
it's evolved a lot. So, all right, well, tell you what, we're going to cut it to a commercial break. When we come back, we'll have Savannah DeMello. We're going to find out about how things went at the uh, U.S. camp. So make sure you stay tuned here to ESPN 680-1057. You're listening to Soccer City, powered by your Kentuckiana Toyota dealers, right here on ESPN Louisville. Welcome back to Soccer City Radio on ESPN 680 I'm Zach. I'm Benton. Benton. We have a great one today. Yes, we, we do. Are, we have the pleasure of being joined by breakout rookie midfielder for Racing Louisville, fresh off her first national team call-up, Savannah DeMello. Savannah, how's it going? Hey, how are you guys? Hey, we're doing well. Thank you so much for joining us today. Of course. Thanks for having me. Well, first, the obvious question we got to get out of the way. How was your first call-up? How was the experience with the uh, the first team? Uh, it was it was awesome. Um, the girls were all great. The culture they um, kind of made out there is just awesome. All the girls were super welcoming. The standard was set super high on the field, off the field. Very professional environment and just a dream come true to finally get to play with um, the best players in the world. Now, what did this mean for you to get your, your first international call-up? I mean, it's a big deal. It's a very competitive squad to get into. Yeah, I mean, you know, the U.S. is ranked number one globally for a reason because we have so many good players, um, not even that are older than me, even ones that are younger than me that are just um, setting the standard every single day. So just being able to make a 23-player roster is huge and just a huge accomplishment for me. But um, not done yet. I still want to just learn so much from everything I learned at camp and just hopefully get another chance whenever I can. Yeah. So so you grew up in Southern California, uh, played college at USC. Uh, so I was kind of curious, <laughs> how much have you missed the Southern California weather this summer? <laughs> so I've never... Yeah, I've never spent a summer outside of California, and the humidity was definitely something that took me by surprise. Um, I actually prefer it, though, rather than the winters here, because when I first got here, I didn't think I could make it through another month. It was brutal, but um, summer has been great. Um, The weather's okay, but I just think I just love Louisville so far. It's a big change from California, but definitely definitely really happy here yeah you got it on both ends i think we had that huge snowstorm like right as camp started (laughs) oh yeah we uh i it was like an ice storm and i didn't even know an ice storm was a thing until i got here (laughs) yeah we we can't yeah we can't beat around the bush there that our our weather doesn't compare to southern california but i do appreciate (laughs) that you like the city itself i think we got a nice little thing going here in town Oh, yeah. And the people have been probably my favorite part. Just like the community here is unlike anything I've ever seen before. So that's been the best part. Excellent. We try to do what we can. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, you know, pivoting back to the uh, to the racing side of things, like how was the squad feeling after after this longer break and coming off of that most recent loss? Yeah, I know after our loss, we wanted to kind of come together and just um, look forward to our last five games here in in the season and just kind of building as much as we can and learning from these last five games here during the season. Um, so I think we have a pretty good formation that we're going to go into this weekend against North Carolina and just hoping that we can um, put together the last couple pieces that we've been wanting to put together. So that's on the defensive side and the attacking side. So I'm really excited. I think we they're going to be a couple challenging games, but I think they're if we play our game, I think we can get some results. 
Yeah, yeah. You mentioned so we we've got just five games left in the year. It's sort of we're winding into the 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 final po- portion of the season. So, like, what what is the the focus for the team coming into these last five games? Anything in particular you guys are are looking to get out of the, the end of the season? Yeah, I think it's um, we just want to get results. I think we've been playing really good soccer. If you come to the games, I think we're we've been playing great, and I think it's just putting the final piece away whether that be not letting like silly goals in or kind of putting our chances away. So I think we want to focus on the details these last five games. And like I said, just try to get some results. But in the end, just try to build off of what we've been doing for the past couple months. Now, you're, you're obviously you're in your in your rookie season, so it's still going to kind of be fresh in your mind, your, the college experience. How has that transition been from the collegiate ranks to uh, to the professional rank? Yeah, um, it definitely was hard in the beginning. I mean, the speed of play is just taken up a notch. Um, it's a lot more physical than it was in college, especially playing in the Pac-12. Um, it's not really that physical. It's a lot more technical, like moving the ball, keeping the ball. So um, kind of that transition of being like a more physical player um, was definitely hard in the beginning. But I think once I added that to my game, um, I was able to kind of play like how I like to play and kind of just started succeeding. Now adapting to that physicality, was that just something you kind of had to learn over time or were there other, did you have teammates that have been in a series, a similar situation having that make that particular adaptation? Yeah, I think preseason was huge. Um, the players, like I said, are, have been awesome on our team. We're really close, like a family. And I think a lot of the veteran players kind of let me know quick, like, Hey, this is not just about the technical side of it. You got to be physical if you want to play in this formation. And I think my first start was I was playing the six, which is a defensive mid roll, and I'm usually an attacking mid roll. So I think I took the opportunity of being able to start, and I just defended my heart out. And I think it um, kind of helped me learn just how much um, I needed to improve in that side, and I did really well. So it was it was a good start. Yeah, I was about to say, based on how you've played this season, I would never have guessed that the Pac-12 was not a physical league. <laughs> <laughs> See? Yeah, I'm telling you guys, in college, I was not much of a defensive player. I was more uh, attacking-minded. <laughs> so I guess going back to to college, I, so we, we, we were all sad to see Timby um, go down with that Achilles injury after we signed her earlier this oh, year yeah. and you you dealt with with a similar injury in college and I, was, I was curious if you could talk a little bit about like what the recovery process from an injury like that is like yeah yeah so I tore my Achilles my left Achilles in April so it was during our off season in college and it was just my first major injury so it was super hard um more mentally I think than physically so the recovery process was a year and a half long I think just because of the strength in my calf was gone after I finally got back fully. So I had to work on that. But just being able to realize that I had to kind of put my mind elsewhere for the next couple months was a huge transition for me. But I just stayed positive. I had really good people around me, a really good trainer that helped me day in and day out. And I think I grew so much mentally in like the mental side of things. So I take my Achilles with... Um, finding the silver lining is helping me mentally with um, sports. 
Yeah, I actually went to dig in onto that on the mentality side of an injury like that. Is it like is it partic- is it just kind of a waiting game until you can be physical again, or, or like or, or what do you do in that in that meantime to I guess remain productive in a soccer sense? Like, are you studying film or just trying to watch and ingest as much as you can, or you just taking your your mind off things not to like let it get you down? You can't be out there playing. Yeah, um, I think so. That summer, I traveled a lot just because I had made already prior plan or previous plans. So that actually really helped. But we made plans to go to the World Cup. So it was the Women's World Cup in France. So it was kind of cool. I was able to still have soccer around, but I also was traveling and like having fun with my friends and my family. But um, yeah, I when I got back and we had the fall season, my coaches actually had me doing scouting reports, which was huge. I think it helped me a lot with my game because I was able to watch film and kind of um, learn and study the, the opponent that we were playing and kind of make a plan on what we were going to do. So I thought that was like, I was like very grateful. My coaches let me be a part of it in that way. That's clever of them. I, I like that idea of that. Glad you're able to remain yeah. productive. <laughs> yeah. And it was also um, for the mental side, it was just kind of winning your everyday battles. I think it's really easy to look like I was just like looking forward to, Oh, when I get to run again or when I get to play contact, but, um, what kind of kept me sane was the, um, like the everyday wins and like the battles I had to go through every day and just kind of staying more in the present instead of looking too far forward. Yeah. So, so lighten things up a little bit, something we've been asking everybody on the show when they come on, what's your, what's your favorite thing to do on an off day? If you don't have any, any soccer things to do, what, what are you doing on an off day? So on an off day, we usually probably sleep in a little bit, wake up around like 10 maybe. And our favorite coffee place is Quills. So we always go to Quills and just kind of chill around there. Um, like to go shopping. We like to do the walking bridge, which is really fun, and walk over to that little area that's on in Indianapolis, which is really cool. Um, but, yeah, kind of just like being outdoors, but trying to do as much as we can away from soccer. Our life is so controlled by soccer, so we try to stay away from it as much as we can. So just going to get coffee, getting some good food and hanging out with each other. Love that little ice cream shop on the Indiana side. I was just thinking of that. <laughs> <laughs> what is it called? I don't remember. There's oh, like a tiny goodness. little, it's like a white little shop. house there. Yeah. yeah. It looks like an old house. I know exactly it's what you're talking about. Right. When you come off the bridge on the Indiana side, right across oh, the pizza, to- that pizza place there, you have to look for it next time you're out. That's what we go to is the pizza place. And then there's a, like a boba place. Oh, I didn't know about that, that one. Go to. That's over there. Uh, another question we like to ask um, about kind of uh, any uh, any ri- um, rituals that you um, you have on game day or um, or any any sort of superstitions that you have. Can you let us in on uh, on what you try to do game day? Yeah. So every game day, I have to sleep in. Like I don't know if that's just a thing I do, but I have to sleep in because our games are not until eight p.m. So I'm literally waking up at like eleven p.m. or eleven a.m. every morning. So I just try to sleep in as much as possible, and I always have to go get a coffee, like, right when I wake up. And then I go to Smoothie King and get my smoothie. And then right before the game starts, I have to just do this thing with my shin guards, and I do these little jumps right before the game. Have to. Or I'm just going to psych myself out. (laughs) (laughs) So you are superstitious. Yeah, just a little. <laughs> well, you got to get yourself in the headspace. I get it. No, yeah. I get it. I like it. I think it's. I think it's fun, and I like hearing about the different superstitions. So yeah, thank you for letting us in on that. Um, <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> so, so two things I really enjoyed watching you play this season is, I mean, you seem to go like a hundred percent the whole game, and you've been really good on set pieces uh, this year. But I am curious, have you 
have you ever lofted across or is it only laces for you? <laughs> um honestly I have lofted them. Like for corner kicks and stuff like that, I usually loft. But I do like to put some pace behind it because I think if you can just put some pace behind it, like any deflection towards goal is like a goal-scoring opportunity. Yes, that that goal that Jimma scored off of your cross is is like a really good example of that, where it's like you just put it in fast into an area in front of the goal and good things can happen. Yeah, and she actually, so we saw like a space that was going to be open during that game. So I kind of just hit it in that general area, and Gemma did the hard part where she put it away like she did, which was an unreal goal by her. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. And the camera angle we have of that particular goal, that'll be on racing a highlight, highlight reels for years to come. Yeah. I don't – props to whoever got that on film because that was a great angle, and yeah, it was great. Perfect slow-mo. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, Savannah, we want to thank you so much for joining us today and, uh, and, and talking a bit with us. Best of luck on Saturday. We'll be cheering you guys on from afar. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Hey, have a Thanks. great day. Again, that was Savannah DeMello, midfielder for Racing Louisville. And as we were saying earlier, potential rookie of the year contender. Putting up a real good, uh, <laughs> a real good season for it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's again maybe a little bit biased here but has anybody else put up that strong of a case i don't know i mean it's a good field this year but yeah i I mean especially because i mean coming in she mentioned it but like in college she was much more of an attacking player Mm -hmm. and so i was i was expecting her to be like attacking midfielder only and then she has played very good i mean box to box when she's had to play defensive midfielder she's played well i mean she's been I have been really impressed with how versatile she's been in the midfield this year. Yeah, I think a lot of people, myself is absolutely included in this, we get this perception of players and what positions that they should play and then kind of almost rule them out of being able to do anything else. And yeah. and, and I think they're a lot more flexible than people give credit for. Well, Obviously, they have the things that they're good at and they're not good at and that will we'll lend to that. But Well, I think soccer, especially compared to other sports, is like much less individualized by yep. position like exactly. there are like core skills that all the positions have to have and and so uh, you, and and even in the course of a game you have to do a lot of switching like it even if you are a midfielder like that doesn't mean that sometimes you're not on the back line during yep. the switch that sometimes you're up as a forward on the switch i mean and a really good soccer team everybody has to be able to do everything pretty much and so yeah i, I think people uh people definitely have places that they're their best but I, I think people underrate you know how how versatile soccer players can be when moving yep. around the field oh, so you were you were almost referencing before total soccer the dutch way that's the way it's the way to play <laughs> I i'm agree big, big, big total, the total, total interchangeability <laughs> I, i'm with you on that i like that philosophy so i'll tell you what let's go ahead we're going to cut it to another commercial break when we come back we do have to talk about that that Tulsa oh, match. We got to talk about the Unfortunately, game. Unfortunately, the one from yesterday. Yes, and yeah. then we, all, we talked about the fold one already. We should have saved the Sacramento game for the. We got to go. Block. We got to go in chronological order, <laughs> and then we'll talk about the upcoming matches because we got big ones for both teams. So make sure you stay tuned here to ESPN 680 1057. You're locked on Soccer City, powered by your Kentuckiana Toyota dealers, right here on ESPN Louisville. Welcome back to Soccer City Radio. My name is Benton. I'm Zach. We got to talk about it. We got to talk about the draw in Tulsa. You know, 
I don't want to, I'm, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but sometimes draws feel like wins and sometimes they feel like losses. This one kind of just felt like a loss to me. Yeah. You take the lead with less than 20 minutes left. It always feels like a loss for you to draw. Yeah. Yeah. So interestingly enough in this one, we had a lot of, uh, a lot of roster rotation on here, but it makes sense. They've been playing so many back-to-back games. Like this is the second straight week of of, of a week with the midweek midweek matches. Yep. It's tough on the legs. It's hard. Can we start off with the important stuff though? That uh, an extremely bold move by the team social media department to post a picture of the the alternate kits from over the weekend right before playing Tulsa, whose home kits look exactly like that. They do uh, bear a resemblance. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was messing with my head the whole game because I kept watching that and like uh, every once in a while we'd see a Tulsa player from from behind and like the, the front of the jersey is a little different because they have Puma kits instead of Adidas kits but from behind it's like the exact same jersey and I I kept forgetting who was who in the game <laughs> I didn't I didn't forget throughout the match but I did at first like had the double check I'm like wait are we wearing our black kits and I knew about their black kits too that were who's pretty- that guy I don't recognize him yeah so it did throw me off at the very beginning but I caught on pretty quickly but we have to say I, I think we did it better the gold is nice I like the I like the little Adidas things up at the top yeah we did theirs from last year which was the nicer one. Oh yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, I forgot they had that last year, too. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, off the kit stuff. Um, yeah, a lot of rotation happening. Again, like, it's just hard with how many matches are being played. And you also have to keep in mind, like, just because a guy isn't on the uh, isn't on the injury list doesn't mean that they're not, like, carrying some sort of physical stuff with them. And I, I have to remind myself of, of this often. Like, it's just it, the games, they add up. Soccer, I mean, soccer's physical and not not kind of in the in the American football way, but like in just it's just it's long season, a lot of run, a lot of movement. There's a lot of physicality in it, like and stuff happens, and we don't always. Oh, you're know coming about off it. a game Saturday. You got another game coming up next Saturday, and you're so, traveling like, too. You got you know, to juggle that with travel days. You can't yeah, you can't recuperate at home. You're recuperating in a in a hotel. Which, Positive out of that though, got the first start for Elijah. Yeah, I was going to dive into that. Very excited for that again. Like I was saying before, you know, a lot of firsts for him are going to be big milestones to the club, and this this was a first. He's his only other appearances have been off the bench. I was I was ecstatic to see that he was getting a, getting a start in that. Yeah, one. I think I thought he put in another solid shift. Mm-hmm. Um, I like I thought he played like as well as he had in the Sacramento game. Continued I, that. I think overall that that first half that he was part of was just harder for the team. But we'll, we'll dive in that one in a second. We also had Ian Soler was getting another start. Oscar uh, Jimenez got the start again. Good to see him back. Uh, you know, I know he he had battled some injuries and stuff. We'll see legend. Yeah, he absolutely is a legend. He's been around for a lot. So uh, a lot of fresh paces. Now Napo Masoto was also in the mix. So I know. <laughs> My my thing about these, I'm these, never concerned with Napo's out there. I'm 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 not. He's he's a good player, but my you know the thing with the guys that don't normally start that are getting opportunities like this is like you have to be able to to rely on them. Like we need this depth if if we're going to be a, a good team. And I know that people get concerned when they don't see the same faces week after week, but you have to have trust that these guys are, are going to perform. Whether or not they do is a whole different situation, which we'll we'll dive into a bit because the first half was uh, wasn't great. Tulsa was creating a lot of chances, and after the match, Danny went on to say that the first 30 minutes were some of the worst this season. I think there's other moments throughout the season that could compete with that, but I mean, he's he's not completely off base. It was just, 
it was rough. Thank God, it, you know, it, it wasn't like they were pouring goals on us or anything. I mean, they're, but. they're a team. We're a team that does not give up a lot of opportunities, and Tulsa had a lot of opportunities in that first half. So that that was uncharacteristic more than anything. Yeah, like a lot of corners, uh, which you don't see a ton against against Louisville City. Uh, yeah, just a lot more chances than <laughs> than than we're comfortable seeing the team give up. It did not look like a number one versus number eight in the East sort of matchup. It, it felt like a lot closer fair and and you know I don't I don't want to bash some of the guys who don't regularly start as much, but like I think it was it was clear we didn't have all of our our main starting pieces in there. You know, the likes of your Brian Ombies or Am- Amadou Diaz on there, and I and, you know, I think we w- went a little different formationally. Well, I do think all of the. And, and this isn't a who's playing thing. It's more of just a, a not having consistency. Is like I think cycling through the backline lineups. Yep. It, it was just the backline play was not as tight as we're used to seeing. Like more little mistakes, which that's just it. You know, of all of the positions, you want your backline kind of locked down because like those players have to have like a psychic communication ability with each other and so just mixing it up that always throws a little yeah yeah the thing about the back line is like one mistake on the back line and it's glaring you make a mistake in the midfield or up top like you're going to get another chance like it's not the end of the world but it kind of almost is the, end of the world on, on the back line so yeah i, I totally i totally yeah, I, get what you're saying i don't think the play was glaringly bad but oh, i think I, you yeah, saw, I don't, I don't you saw think like a moments. few more like little like moments where everyone wasn't on the same page than we're used to seeing. Yeah, I think I think we're we were fortunate that we only let one in on there. I'm not saying that again. It should have been a barrage of goals, but like there were just too many, even just partial chances, half chances there. It just it was noticeable given the history of this team. It was very unusual, um, and I know Coach Cruz wasn't wasn't happy about that one after the match. But you know, the second half was uh, was a bit more redeeming. Um, Oh wait, I, you know, I skipped right over Matiti's goal. The first one, the first one happened in the first half. <laughs> yeah, they did draw it up by halftime. Yeah, yeah, they did. It was a nice, uh, it was a nice corner kick from Oscar. Who it bounced off uh, uh, Elijah. Which does he get the? Does he get an assist for Do that? You Do you get an assist that? on the hip? Like it was a purposeful. He deflected it back towards purposeful the back post. I don't, I don't like, think it was purposeful. <laughs> I trust me. I want to give him all the credit. He kept the it alive. Yeah, <laughs> he was in the right spot. Yeah, he he hipped it. He hipped it like back post where the runner was going. That's why. That's all you need. Intentional or not intentional, whether he gets it or not. Hey, it got the, they got to the right place, and Matiti put it in. If I hit it and it goes to another player on my team, it was intentional. <laughs> I'd make that case too. <laughs> so that was his first half goal. Um, second half goal came came a bit later well, on. Well, and just spotlighting Elijah, I think he had. Uh, I don't remember if it was in the first half or early in the second half, but he had a the team. Did not end up scoring on it, but he had a really good run down the wing, where through through ball went to him, and he played it into the box to to Harris, and mm-hmm. and the the shot got blocked. But what would have been a very good assist from Elijah had that shot gone in. I think yeah. just kind of unlucky to to get the save on that one. Yeah, yep, I agree with that one. Um, but I, I want to spend some time talking about Little City's second goal, which happened, what, 70-some-odd minutes in? Yeah. Have you seen the replay on that? It was a total team goal. It was just excellent. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of it. So uh, it was first to start with Wilson Harris applying pe- pressure to the ball-possessing backline player who, who passed it off errantly, and Paulo got the interception on it, knocked it loose. Corbin Bow got it, passed it to Matiti, who scored it in there. Like It was just I think that's like a textbook sort of play of what Coach Cruz wants to see in this uh, pressing style of play. It was just, yeah. I don't know, I just watched a replay of that particular goal like time and time again, and I was just loving what I was seeing. 
It's, I mean, and that that shows the the fruits of the press that Louisville does because it it's not even necessarily your forward stealing the ball and scoring. It's your forwards put pressure and that like that it disrupts gets you bad passes, which the midfielders because they're also pressing are in a position to to intercept. And yeah, it's it's that like second wave of the press that's so important because you can't just you can't just run your forwards up there and and not have your your midfielder it's come help a you team out. Team effort, yeah, exactly. So and think, it's great that was a result of the full team press. Yeah, I mean, and Wilson Harris has done just such a great job with this. Even in our in our midfielders, you know, Bone and Gibson and the like, they're all just. They're, I, I I think they're so underrated players. I talk about this a lot off off air that there's such a big um, component of our success, and it's a lot of little things like this. Even if it isn't them actually formally getting assist, it's like that pass before the pass type of thing, yeah. and being in the right spot a lot. Paulo um, Del well, Piccolo is particularly good at just being in the right spot. And like another speaking of like unsung things on that goal, Harris made a great run in the box to pull a defender out right. of out of Matiti's way to score that goal. Where it's like that's not showing up on any. Stat sheet, like no one's gonna notice that, but like it, that that was a part in that goal being scored was was his smart run to to move uh, the defender as a numbers guy. Petition that we try to find some sort of stat to capture things like that. Those those little movements that help make a sequence. Uh, good luck on that one. I know. I'm <laughs> gonna take somebody a lot smarter than me to figure that out. But you know, I just I just want credit to go to the guys for doing those sort of things. But hey, that's why we're recognizing it here because there is no <laughs> number for people to observe on that one. Um, you know, unfortunately, though, Tulsa did pull it back kind of kind of late. I, from what I understand, Tulsa uh, equalized, uh, although unfortunately I did not see it happen because it was not on camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they were showing the they were showing the shot before that as that free kick was. Being and taken. it wasn't even a quick uh, quarter kick because they they showed the replay from like a million miles away with the only camera shot that they actually had of it afterwards. And it was like, they played a short corner and then played it in and they still had not cut back to it. Look, let's, let's be honest. In, in the USL, some of the production quality in, in some of these different venues is, are better than others. Tulsa is not on the upper end of that spectrum. I, look, man, I, I, I don't, I don't demand a lot. I, I, I understand that like, you know, you can't throw a bunch of money at it and, and, you know, you can only do so much on the AV side. I, I would like for the game to be on the screen. I think, I don't think that's too much to ask. It's for the, for the ball to be visible on the screen while the game's being played. Maybe Tulsa should invest a little bit less in their pyrotechnic show and a little bit more in the, in the camera work. <laughs> Just a little bit of a suggestion, but I guess their fans are at the match all 13 of them. Ooh, got him. Ooh. <laughs> that was mean. That was mean. Anyway, so... They play on a baseball field. Boo! Like, no no like, team would ever like play on a baseball field no, that we care about. I guess I guess you brought up another point. I kind of forgot that we've also historically not, not done as well on these smaller pitches, too. And I guess I forgot that this was a smaller pitch. How we lost... How we lost... <laughs> We lost the the small pitch charm after we left Slugger. Yeah, we really did. Yeah, we had it was working for it us. It used when to it was be our house. house. We used to own the small pitches. We did. We do not anymore. We retooled everything for our our gigantic field we play on. Yeah, we have a very big pitch now. So anyway, a little bit disappointed because they they equalized so late in the match. That's why that draw felt a little bit more like a loss than a, than a draw. Although, man, it, like here's how here's how 
what soccer's just like a crazy sport. Random things happen sometimes. I, I mean, Harris had a shot in that stoppage time that if that shot's like three inches to the left, that that's the game winning goal, and we feel much better, about, much different about that game. It's like you're you're always one weird shot away from either a, like a, a a good win or a bad loss. That's why they call it a game of inches. Could have been so different, but it wasn't to be on the night. And uh, you know, it's 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 tough when you're in a in a race like um, like we are, as it stands for the, the for the table. So for some context, we're obviously we're competing with San Antonio for that top spot. We have not won that regular season title yet, and we want that. And it is in within reach. I want it, Benton? I do. I, I do want too. that regular season title. I do too. But you know, with some of these past results, it's kind of hindered our chances. At one point, we were in control of our destiny, but now now we have to pray that San Antonio drops some points. They have a tough schedule ahead of them, so I think it's possible. But that's also assuming that we you know essentially win out. We got to carry our end of the bargain too. And, and it's, well, I mean, that's because I would say overall, the I mean, they've had kind of a a string of other than that Sacramento game, like a string of disappointing results in the last couple games. And I think normally, like I'm looking at that as like season has up and downs. I, I think yep. they did not play terrible, particularly uh, among that stretch. I, I think like. You know that that's just like you're gonna have stretches like that in 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 a season. Like they'll get some wins. I'm not I'm not worried about the team overall, but in the context of like a couple of those are wins, and and they're in the driver's seat with San Antonio. Like that's the big that's the big what if about dropping points in these last exactly, couple games. Yeah, I mean if you put on the blinders to that greater the greater table situation, then it's not as bad. It stinks. I mean obviously you want to win every match, but. Um, yeah, I mean, like, not, the teams. There's no concern for the team. If anything, I appreciate that they're they're playing they're playing the long game as far as you know, not not throwing the kitchen sink at at, at every team every week, so that we have healthy guys yeah. coming in now, the playoffs. I mean, if the team goes out and like lays an egg against Pittsburgh this weekend, I'm probably feeling a lot different. I'm maybe not holding the line as much, but I, I mean, I like. I, I'm I've I'm not I'm not in panic mode yet. Oh yeah, no, I don't think you should be. With I mean, with Pittsburgh, I think that match was already going to be important, but because we one. didn't get a win on Tulsa, that match has become even more important. Every every match that we have now, we I, we need to maximize the points there because you know what? Now the Tampa Bay, um, Bay Rowdies are within striking distance. They've played 27 matches and have 54 points. We've played 28 matches and have 59 points. You know, depending on on how they do this this weekend and our match with Pittsburgh. Like they, they they could be certainly but be in the mix. as of right now still in the driver's seat. Oh, we are, yeah, yeah, we are still in the driver's seat. But I mean, any breathing room that we did have has evaporated a little bit. Yeah, and and, I th- and go back to San Antonio. Right now, Louisville is one point behind San Antonio. Like we have fifty nine, they have sixty, but they have a game in hand. Yeah. So, so I mean, I think we're we're through our, our worst part as far as the schedule, like the 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 fixture congestion goes. After after Saturday, yes, after Saturday, then we'll have proper rest and whatnot. We should see probably a more consistent lineup going through. So if we can get a win at, at Pittsburgh, this one will be particularly huge going into that, that that final stretch where we'll have a more friendly schedule in terms of you know the days that they fall on. I think honestly, I think our schedule remaining schedule is a little bit easier than than San Antonio. So. I'm still I'm still keeping my fingers and toes crossed for that regular season title. I don't think it's. it's I mean, they're still in the hunt. Yeah, yeah. Still, they've not played themselves out of it. It just it just it just hurts that that we were in control and then we've we've since kind of lost it. Yeah, but at the end of the day, 
the playoffs matter more. Can you name the last three regular season winners compared to the last three playoff winners? Uh, See, the thing is, is that you know, you know the you know the winners for the Phoenix. playoffs. It, it's Phoenix, I think, twice, right? I, I don't. I legitimately don't okay. know. I know they were one of them. Yeah. But the thing is, like, you remember the people who went who went out through the playoffs. So ultimately, that is. I remember that we haven't done it. Yeah, I know. But I want the one accolade that we don't have, so I get it. Yeah. I want that supporter shield. Anyway. So Pittsburgh, big match, tough to play in Pittsburgh. Lily ball, very defensive. I mean, we did well against them earlier this season. And they've been solid this year. Like they're they've not not been top of the East, but I mean, yeah, they're in the they're in the playoff hunt. We did have uh, the benefit that that was our dog day. Yeah, we, we had have all the a, dogs at the pitch. We have another away game this weekend, Benton. Yes, North Carolina. Oh, yeah, North for Carolina, racing. the bane of racing. The the team that racing is still yet to draw or get a win against. You know, if I had to pick a team for them to rebound on um, coming off of that real bad uh, home loss they last had, I wouldn't want to pick North Carolina. It's a little bit unfortunate scheduling wise, but I'm hoping they can buck the trend. I mean, you got to get the first points against them at some point. It's like, that streak's not going to continue forever, so why not this weekend? Yeah, and yeah, I'm I'm really hoping that it was a kick in the butt. That loss, and uh, they get something going here because they they really need it. Also, North Carolina's going to let you score. Like the their their defense has been terrible this season, so they they're gonna they're gonna get their chances. They just got to convert them. Maybe a, maybe a whooping in the other direction. Maybe we win four to one, four zero, whatever. Oh, that'd be, it'd be beautiful. Let's manifest it. No, uh, the, the the internet would be so happy. Yeah. Well, if you're interested, racing Louisville or excuse me, the Lavender Legion is um, hosting a watch party for uh, for that one. So if you want to join them at My Wide Brewery, play some pinball, play their fans watch there. some soccer. Yeah, it'll be a good time. Thank you guys for tuning in so much. Uh, ESPN 680 1057.